Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started because we've got a lot of Pechacucha, got a lot of Pechacuchas to do. We have um, at least 20 minutes of screencasting I've got to teach you, and I think we've got a lot of questions about Scratch. Um, how many of you are frustrated with Scratch? Woohoo! You know what that means? That means you're going to learn something because you have a problem that you need to solve, and we can solve it, and we can get the answer. Okay. It might be, yeah. I mean, if your computer has a virus or something else like that. But um, we will answer your questions that you have with Scratch, and we will get your situation solved. How many of you have worked with somebody else and, and asked for help? Anybody? Really? Are you kidding me? Okay, you guys ought to contact each other and see who can help. Or ask your 11-year-old. Ask for assistance. School and education is screwed up in the way that it encourages us to just stand alone and work by ourselves. Scratch is a project that, or a program that is going to uh, work best when we work together because we're going to be able to figure stuff out, show each other, and do that. So I'm going to give us time today um, to do that, for you to ask questions, but also to ask questions of each other. Um, and, and we need to... We definitely need to do that. So um, let's go ahead and make sure you uh, check in, do your attendance, and uh, put your name in for today. Um, did anybody go to the Heartland Conference? Probably not, but did anybody do it the last couple of days? <coughs> this is a great conference. This is Michael West. He's the professor of cultural anthropology. He was the keynote speaker, uh, gave the keynote uh, yesterday. And the video share that I want to start out with is a video that he created four years ago in 2007 with his classes. You can see it has 4.1 million views. Um, many, he's probably done, I don't know, three different videos or, or, or so that have gone viral. I think probably one of them has over 10 million uh, views. Mozilla that creates Firefox gave him $25,000 to do a project with his students this year, taking a look at the student view of school and education and uh, see how you relate to this or if you relate uh, to this video at all.
You know anybody Facebooks through class? Anybody uh, buy a textbook that they've never opened before? Yeah. Anybody resent the fact that you're required to do that? Um, in many ways, our school system is screwed up. Um, we need to change some of the things that we're doing. Part of why I hope we'll learn in this course is some of those ways. One of the statements at the beginning of that video was, if I learn what I do, why am I here? We are what we do. We are the company we keep. The conversations that you have shape who you are, what you think, and what you believe. And we've got to switch to a model where we're doing more in school and we're not just listening and, and sitting. So if you're feeling a little frustrated with Scratch, um, that's actually a good thing because that means you've got a purpose and you have something that you need to solve. And because you're going to solve that problem and figure it out, you're probably going to remember it more than if somebody simply told that to you. So anyway, Michael Wesh has a lot of good ideas. I saw his keynote. And then a breakout session that he did yesterday, um, and I posted on my blog, I, I um, tagged this with the links, um, the, uh, you can, other, lots of other videos, other videos now that his students are doing. He's turned the tables, instead of looking at the students, he wants to see what, what the students have to say. Um, so if you want to check that out, you are welcome to. Um, let's go ahead and um, talk just real quickly about our Scratch Move that. Why does this do this? It's irritating to me. Um, talk a little bit about our scratch assessment, and then we'll jump into our um, Pecha Kucha presentations. We are going to need to, um, by 10.30 uh, at least, uh, stop our Pecha Kucha presentations, and hopefully we can do that earlier, because at a minimum I'm going to need 20 minutes to teach you screencasting today, because that's our topic. Um, first, though, let's just look at the schedule. How many of you are a little panicked at your project being due Friday? Is that a panic thing? Okay. So I really need to grade these and catch up on everybody's assignments on spring break. But what if we switch that to a Monday on the 14th? Does that help some of you if we do that? Okay. So let's do that. You know, and if, if you're having a crazy weekend, there's just absolutely no way you can get it done, and you get it done later, I mean, I am going to accept it, and I'm going to grade it still. But I really need, um, I really need you guys to turn these in, because, you know, obviously I have 50 of these to grade. So um, I'm going to go ahead and switch the, the due date then to Monday, the 14th, and uh, please try your best to uh, get that done. Let's talk a little bit about resources. Um, turn to your neighbor and talk to them for a few minutes, for about 60 seconds, about what you've used so far on our Scratch resources page that has helped you uh, learn something about Scratch. All right? Take about 60 seconds and talk to your neighbor about, of, of all these links and resources, what, what have you used that's helped you um, learn something about Scratch. Okay? Ready to go. You have 60 seconds. Yeah. Oh, no, 
it is so powerful to have access to resources like this because your students, and some of them might naturally do this on their own, but they'll be able to, I saw that, I wonder if I can, how do I do that? And they can figure that out. But a big part of that, which I understand is not happening, you know, except when we're in class, is being together. You know, being together with other people, working on the project, and having that time to collaborate is actually a real important part. So let's see how we do on time. Um, we, we may um, be able to have some more time for scrap sharing as well. And sometimes that helps too, right, when somebody yeah. just shares, here's what I did, and this is how I did it. Oh, wow, didn't know that block existed, hadn't thought about doing it that way. So don't panic that you are going to, you know, do horribly because your project is not going to amaze Steven Spielberg, okay? What we want to do with this project is learn more about Scratch, and that's why you're going to write a reflection. I have kind of taken and edited what we did last week in, in the 11 o'clock section and put together a rubric um, to evaluate or just to give a bullet point ideas of what an outstanding project would do in terms of scripts and sprites, um, a creative project. Um, and then we also, I didn't put this on here, but I'm also going to say, you know, like less than five minutes, but maybe less than two minutes, you know. We're not, I don't know, create the project that you want to create. And if the project you want to create, you know, it's seven minutes long, you're not going to get a bad grade because it was seven minutes long. Um, but it doesn't need to be something that's super ex extensive. Um, is it a little frustrating to have vague guidelines like this? Some, for some people it might be, for some, you know. I don't want you to be scared. Like, like one of the biggest things we wonder, what's for the, you know, what do I have to get for the rate? I want you to learn more about Scratch and how to create stuff and show me through your project and your reflection what you've learned, okay? So it's very differentiated and independent. Some of you might make a game and you'll, you know, keep a score. I don't even know how to do that yet. I kind of do because we have explored some of those scripts and I know where to look on that scratch card. But you don't have to do that in order to get a, a perfect score. What you need to do is spend some time, create something, and on your reflection, talk about what you've learned. And you're going to match the assignment. Okay? So... Um, does anybody have a question as far as the scratch assignment? It'll not be due Friday. It'll be due a week. Well, it'll be due Monday. Um, you're going to turn in a link to your post, okay? So you're going to have your reflection. And this is like a little light up. Put your hand. Um, on assignments, when you go to week nine, I will move this... Uh, Submit the link. I'll move that to Monday. Right now I've got that that says before spring break. So, Lorelai? Uh, can your final project be like a perfecting of Absolutely, yeah. If you're just kind of building on each time, then that's how we learn. We build on what we did before. So I want to encourage you to think about maybe just trying something new, you know, in some of those earlier projects, but that's totally fine. And what's kind of neat about that, too, is it shows the progression, right? That's the benefit of sharing it is it shows, oh, and then I learned how to change the background, you know, or now I learned how to get a delay so that they can talk to each other, whatever you're doing. You don't have to tell a story. You don't have to make a game. It's open-ended as far as what you can do. I want you to have a good idea of possibilities of Scratch, 
and then actually create a project, but it's not defi- confined in your final project, but it has to be a story or it has to be a game. Yes? On mine, on the right side, I uploaded to the Scratch website, it says, Bell, project might be too big. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like not that long. Before. Do you have audio files maybe that you put in there or something that you imported, a graphic or something like that? It was all on the Scratch. Really? Yeah, like this is the first, my first one, and it's like really. Huh. Okay. Well, let's take a look at that if we can. In the worst case is, you can submit it as an attachment to me, you know, in WebCT with email. If you have that, you can put that in saying, I'm having to email this project to you, and you'll be able to share it that way. But uh, that's that's kind of strange. We'll take a look and see if we can figure out what's going on. Because that's, I haven't run into that yet. Anybody else have a Scratch-related question? Okay. Um, I am going to do our app share very quickly. Did I even put it on here? I did. Um, The app share today, I don't think I've talked to you about Dropbox, have I? Have I mentioned Dropbox? Has anybody used Dropbox? Wonderful free resource. Gives you two gigabytes of space. You have a flash drive, but if you want to give somebody a file that you can't actually go to and say, here's my flash drive, how do you get them large files? You can email them. Funny people's inboxes fill up. People's, you know, things happen with files. So what Dropbox lets you do is... On a web page, you can upload files. In fact, you can even share, you know, scratch files. You can share PDFs, anything that you want. But it also has an application, which I didn't plug in my um, iPad or iPhone today, and it lets you access that file from anywhere that, that you want to on your device. So it's really a handy way. I've used it before with maps. I did that at North Texas. They had bus route maps. How am I going to get that on my device? Well, I put it in my Dropbox. And so it's here on my, in my website. It's on my application that I have on my phone, and that's true on an Android phone as well as an iPad or, or iPhone. And it's just a really, it uses the cloud. When we upload that, it's somewhere on a server, somewhere in the cloud is what it's called. And we can access it then from home, from school. Um, There's a public folder that lets you actually share a link with other people. And a lot of, I would say, I don't know, not quite half, but maybe a third of the people in one of my sessions, I talked about this at the conference, were instructors and teachers, and they were using Dropbox with their students to have their students turn in assignments to them. So in your classroom, you may not have WebCT Blackboard. You probably won't. Most K-12 schools aren't going to fork out the money that it takes. You might not have Moodle or anything like that. You want your students to turn something in. How do I do that? Well, maybe Dropbox. And like I said, they're giving uh, two gigabytes to everybody for free. I've never paid for it. You can pay for more space if you want. But it's not only an app. But it's also a website, kind of like Evernote. Evernote, you can access through the web. You can access through a program you download to your computer. And it's an app that goes on your device. Dropbox works the same way. So that's your little app share for today. Okay. Um, Let's go ahead and take a look. Go go to our uh, Pechacucha presentations and go to uh, our peer evaluations. And we actually have um, five folks, I think, who might 
be ready to go today, maybe. And if you're ready, just uh, come on back with your flash drive.
Okay, this is why, or how kids become obese. It's McDonald's. Um, the major reasons for children becoming obese are dietary habits, um, their lack of exercise, uh, socioeconomic factors, and genetic factors. 15% of kids from ages 6 to 19 are severely overweight or obese. It doubled the rate in 1970s. A lot of children today get what they want, when they want, as you can see, um, no, no matter what the circumstances are. As you, um, this is doing more harm than good. Almost 30% of kids eat some type of fast food every day. Many parents with kids who are obese think it's just fine that their kid looks this way. They're actually proud of them, and they think it's cute. Um, but they don't realize how much harm they're causing to their child. I mean, I can just imagine, you know, how much breathing and stuff they have problems with. Um, they are taking in more calories than are needed for a more inactive life. They increase intake of sugar drinks, like Coke and juice, um, is another factor of children's obesity. Ten, dilute a cup of juice, and um, uh, this will cut nearly half of the sugar content. Um, this makes me sick. Have you ever seen Mari? These shows on Mari. Um, this girl is five years old and weighs 230 pounds. Um, this just makes me want to cry. Five times the average five-year-old. Um, today, children prefer, prefer to remain inside and spend less time outside. TV is a big reason. The commercials on TV are provoking. They show lots of, you know, pictures of really good food, and they're bored, so they're going to eat, and that's what they have to do, or they want to do. Um, children today tend to engage um, in mentally stimulating activities such as video games, watching TV, um, being on the Internet, etc. Uh, and as you can see, this has no physically activity uh, at all. Um, the fast-changing technology has impacted children greatly. Um, I mean, they take this everywhere. This, I don't know, DS. They take it everywhere to eat. I mean, out to eat, I see kids doing this instead of talking with their parents and family members. It's ridiculous. Um, obesity tends to run in the family. Obese parents often lead to obese children. Uh, parents, you need to set a good example for your kids. Um, you should eat right because you want to be healthy, and um, so then your kids will be healthy, healthy and live a long life. 80% uh, of children who are overweight at age 10 and 15 were obese at age 25. Uh, is this how you want your body to look like inside all this junk? I mean, this just piles up and piles up and turns to fat, and then you just, I mean, it's awful. Uh, is this how, uh, whoops. I thought this was a perfect example to show you the yucky truth. As you can see, you drink, you know, Coke and sugary drinks, and this is actually the fat that comes out of it. I mean, do you really want to, well, makes me think twice about that. Um, obesity is literally suicide. Um, the effects of being obese are diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, asthma, sleep apnea, or apnea, low self-esteem, 
Hospital costs related to child obesity has tripled in the last uh, in the past 20 years, reaching 127 million dollars. Um, you need to change your life. Start eating well, move more, live longer. I mean, if you do all those, you'll live longer. Um, there's many different ways you can do this. Um, stop eating junk food. Um, fill up your you know, pantry with good food, whole wheat, and um, your refrigerator with fruits and vegetables. Anything organic is great. Um, uh, there are, I mean, I know it's very expensive, but I know that there's different alternatives um, for the cost. Know what you eat and what you should be eating for you and your children's optimum health. Find out the nutri- nutritional value for the food that you're eating. Uh, eat a balanced diet that works well with your lifestyle. Eating fruits is a great, way, uh, great and yummy way to get your vitamins and nutrients daily. Uh, it's shocking that only about 21% of children eat the recommended five or more servings of fruit and vegetables each day. Um, one of seven low-income preschool-age students is obese. The prevalence, prevalence of obesity is in low-income two- to four-year-olds increased from 12.4% in 1998 to 14.5% in 2003. I know low-income leads to inability to afford um, uh, nutritional you know, foods and stuff, but... Water is an excellent source, and it's free. Um, just drink a lot of water, and, you know, you'll, you can lose a lot of weight. Um, and have your kids be active. I mean, there's so many different sports and so many opportunities to get your children involved in some, you know, activity. Uh, I mean, it doesn't just have to be sports, but, I mean, just get them active and make sure that they're having fun with what they're doing. Um, kids playing. Let them play. Encourage them to go outside and enjoy, you know, you know the earth. You know, let them explore and have fun. Um, daily physical, I mean, especially since only 3.8% of elementary schools 7.9% of middle schools and 21% of high schools provide daily physical education. So, I mean, just have them do activities after school because that's very important. Sorry. I had a lot of information. Questions or comments for Caroline? Do you think that... Um, like, my kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. And I give them vitamins. Do you think that's a good alternative? Or I mean, just the next best thing? Or Yeah, I mean, I always take my vitamins. I mean, it's definitely a good thing because, you know, it, it balances, you know, what they don't get. But there's so many different ways. Like, I was watching this show, um, and to get your kids to eat more vegetables or fruit, you know, have them come into the kitchen with you and make it your, you know, make it together. Whatever they make and they see, you know, like veggie pizzas. Like, make smiley faces out of little veggie pizzas. Make, uh, have them make their own. And, I mean, they'll, nine out of ten times, they'll eat what they made. So, I mean, you can do, like, fruit salads or something like that all together as a family. 
and I mean simple stuff like that. Really modeling is so important too, right? You know, I, and I'm thinking about your pantry comment. Yeah, when I buy Cheez-Its or if I buy chips or whatever, I mean, they're there, then I'll eat them, and that's my kids eat them. I love chips. So, you know, that's probably bad mom. Yeah. Your pa- parents have a big, big, you know, influence. Yeah. Sorry, I had a lot of information.
when you're actually in front of a monument and you're talking about it, it just brings it to a whole new level. And just imagine that 2,000 years ago they were able to make a structure like this. This is the inside of the Coliseum. And uh, the Coliseum is amazing. I've been to, you know, many OU football games, and I always brag, that's the greatest stadium I've ever seen. Not anymore. That is amazing. I mean, it doesn't, maybe that probably doesn't look that great. It looks like some rocks and rubble right now, but when you're inside of it, just imagine that they built that. It's crazy. This is the outside of the Coliseum, and actually where I took this picture, I was in a museum, and there, after the museum, you can see the form. That's for... Like they would meet up and everything, and there's another uh, arch. There's the outside of the Colosseum. There's part of the Forum. And uh, at night, Rome is a, is amazing. Like you see the Colosseum, you know, in the daytime, you think it's amazing. But when you see it at night, you know, all those monuments at night lit up. It is, it's absolutely stunning. And uh, you know, it's just so weird, you know, seeing a structure like that <coughs> around Oklahoma. You may see like a hundred foot, or not a hundred foot, but you know. Two-story office building. Now in Rome, you think you know they have pizza, but they actually have really good Chinese food. I found out this was a Chinese dish I had. It has uh, pineapple. I think it was sweet and sour chicken. Still the best Chinese food I think I've had, which is weird since it's in Rome. So this right here is Pompeii. I don't know if anybody knows about Pompeii, the city that got destroyed by uh, Mount Vesuvius. I think 79 A.D. If I remember correctly. It is an amazing city. It's the most well-preserved ancient city, I think, at least in, I know Italy, but it may be in the world. I mean, it's like you're walking the streets of Rome. And this is actually a Roman that got, when the, the volcano hit so fast that he got petra, he got preserved. That's the ash. And I don't remember exactly how it works. But, I mean, that's how he was when he died. So that was just amazing. There was another one where it showed a dog curled up, and, he could just kind of, and then you could just, you know, see that he's... And how he was. This is on top of St. Peter's, and uh, I was looking out from the very top of it, and this is uh, um, where the Pope lives. This is the Vatican. Yeah, the Vatican. But this is the Vatican looking out through Rome. It's amazing. Uh, we actually got to meet the Pope, which is really cool. This. <laughs> This is the uh, this monument is a you know you think it does it probably doesn't look that big you know you see the picture and you have to actually be there to see it but this is a, the monument of Constantine the Roman emperor and it had a full body but uh, through time it got worn away but uh, this is actually me next to it to kind of give you an example of how large it actually is you know his biceps is a little bit bigger than mine so I got to work out a little bit more. But uh, it's just amazing the size of everything. You know, you go there, you know, around here you see like an old farmhouse. You think, well, that's 150 years old. That's that's so old. But here you see stuff like this that's old. And uh, I went to the cemetery, and I thought this was amazing that they had this. But this was an actual Confederate States of America a major in the artillery, and he was buried there, which I thought was kind of weird. I, I'm guessing that after the Civil War, his family left. When the Union got back together, I guess in protest, they left. Uh, this is me and my friend Clayton. I thought this would be kind of one of those picturesque moments of, you know, leaving Rome, you know, the end of a journey, end of a trip. And uh, it's just like, if you have any chance to, to go on a study tour, I highly suggest it. I made friends, like I said, that I'll always be able to remember, always be able to talk to about it, lifetime memories. And uh, it's just an amazing thing. So. That's it. Yes.
uh, it was the best. The first week, I mean, you're just kind of so amazed, and you're like, oh, wow, there's the Coliseum. Yeah, I have no idea what you're saying, but you're so friendly. Thank you. And then by the second week, I could actually kind of speak to the pizza guy, because there's this one guy that we got pizza from. He's so friendly, so we got to get pizza from this guy. You know, we get pizza there, and you know, I was finally able to start talking before. I was just, like, pointing, hungry. <laughs> so I felt so primitive, but, you know, it's it's amazing. Like, it is so, I know I've said amazing about a hundred times, but it really is awesome. Did you have a friend who had gone before? How did you find out about it and decide to go? Yeah, in the history department, they always, they talked about it a lot. And it was something I wanted to do in high school. And they, because of my high school class, they went, some of my friends. And I didn't go for some reason. I don't know why. It was stupid. But uh, I heard about it, and my roommate, he actually went on the trip, and his girlfriend, they decided they wanted to go. And I was like, well, if you guys are going, I'll go. And so we went as a group, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how that happened. And these are all photos you took? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, really? You did a great job, on, I think. I don't know how, but uh, like it was just on one of our, like, the, the teachers just signed it up, or we went to the, I guess, every... I think it's Tuesday, and it was actually during the same week as their uh, independence movement. They're, I guess like the, the week we were there, they were having their big independence festivals. Well, at the Vatican that week, he uh, says his little message, and he'll say like different prayers and stuff, and I think he says it in four different languages. Well, anyways, he actually said our school, he said the university, we got like the Welcome to the University of Central Oklahoma here, and he said our teacher's name and the class. And, I mean, we didn't really get to get too close to them. But uh, that was pretty cool because, like, there's a barricade probably right here. And the Pope was about right there. He waved at me. I waved at him. And uh, but it was pretty cool because one of my friends, I don't know why, but, like, he had this thing where he liked to have an apple. And every day he had to take a picture with his apple, like some kind of photographic view when he take a picture. Well, anyways, that day he's like, I'm going to make it, or I'm going to try to make it look like where I take the picture and it looks like the Pope's trying to eat the apple. <laughs> and as he tried to do that, one of the armed like security guards thought maybe it was a threat. He like threw him down. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Did you see the YouTube videos a while back of that person who tried to attack the Pope? I didn't. There were like people who captured it on video on cell phones. I've seen this personal guard. I don't know. I should have had a picture of the Swiss guard. Yeah, they're pretty colorful guys. They don't look, I mean, I'm not going to lie, if I saw one of those guys coming at me because they were like the Renaissance clothing and it's all like real colorful and they have like this big sword thing. And so if he's coming at me, I'd, I'd probably laugh at first and then I'd run. Because I think they're Swedish, or they're, they're trained in Switzerland and they're supposed to be our equivalent to our Marines, so they, they take me down. But yeah, it was awesome. All right.
Please make sure you get on the schedule. <laughs> and I'm hoping that our the next uh, the meeting after spring break will be our last one for our future sharing. So. Okay. Why don't we do the do the screencasting stuff next? And I'm going to set my timer for 20 minutes to give my to time myself. And then we'll do the rest of the class on Scratch. And that way, we'll make sure we. Is that a cool question? That's not about Scratch. It's not cut. Uh-huh. Um, my blogging buddy. I've already commented on our online reading post. Yeah. Go ahead, and you can comment on somebody else's. In fact, for the assignment this week, uh-huh. I said just comment on someone's. Uh, oh, okay. I was going to ask you about that. Um, not now, but after spring break, there'll be there'll be a couple of comments that will actually say for this week, you know, save the link to your comment. You'll be doing any any link savings, you know, comment. And uh, we I've had a couple emails like that too. So this this week, comment on whoever's you want to. We try to find somebody that doesn't have a comment. Some of my comments don't show up. Okay, and it may be that uh, those haven't been moderated yet. So oh, okay. Because sometimes I get kind of confused on which ones I have. Yeah, which ones did you comment on and which ones did you do? Uh-huh. But I think for the last one I commented accidentally on two. I did too. Because he only had like four. She has three and I commented on one of them twice. All right. I. watching a YouTube video yet. Has anybody done that? What have you learned how to do? Uh, how to make a dress? How to what? Really? Some origami? Cool. It didn't. It tried that. Okay. Anybody else? It's, it's amazing what you can learn today with a with a screencast and with other videos too. So if you click the link and you don't you don't have to do this on your computer, you can just watch if you want, uh, whatever. The, um, on this page, you've got lots of different resources talking about screencasting. Wikipedia has a definition of screencasting, basically a recording of your screen's output, and often you know you'll have audio narration. And so you've got screenshots, which screenshots are just the static picture that you take, and a screencast is usually um, a video. As an aside, my favorite tool for um, on the Mac, which is free for doing just a screen capture, is called Skitch. I use Skitch probably, you know, every day, certainly a couple times a week. And there's some different programs on the Windows side um, that can do screen capture as well. I think Windows 7 has a new built-in uh, application. I don't play with Windows 7 that often, but um, that ability not just to capture a static image, but a, a video is really, really powerful. Now, some screencasts will let you also capture your video. There are a bunch of different programs, and we're going to use a free one in this class. Um, ScreenFlow is my favorite one on the Mac side. As you watch this, don't 
become concerned that you're going to have to be in your video. You don't. In fact, Screener won't let you put your video in it. So this is um, kind of an advanced one. And most screencasts, you don't see the person at all. A lot of people ask me how I make my screencasts. Um, basically, I use a program called ScreenFlow. It's only for the Mac. It allows you to record, um, edit, and publish videos. It's only $99. It's pretty cheap. You can add text. You can zoom in. You can zoom out. You can add music. You can fade out. And you can fade back in. So check it out. It's ScreenFlow, and I'll include the link below. I don't know about you, but I don't think $100 is really that cheap. Um, for screencasting tools, I've got some commercial links. On the, Mac, on the Windows side, the one that I've seen that uh, is pretty fancy that a lot of people like is called Camtasia Studio. I want to say it's around $100 as well. Um, there is a um, Adobe Captivate, and that was one of the ones that some people were doing some sessions at this eLearn conference here. And I want to say this is like $300 or something. I mean, it's expensive. Adobe products tend to be that way. But, you know, they're also fancy, and they allow you to do a lot of stuff. Um, I've got a couple other links for tools. One of the um, tools that a lot of teachers are using now is called Jing. Jing runs on Mac and Windows. Um, all the programs I've mentioned so far download to your computer, and you run them on your computer. And then you've got to publish it, kind of like we're doing with, uh, with Scratch. We have the Scratch program, and then we up, you know, can upload and share. Theoretically, we're having a little trouble, it sounds like, with, with some of them. But Jing is free. Um, another one that's free that a lot of teachers are liking is called Screencast-O-Matic. And both Jing and Screencast-O-Matic give you so much space that you can uh, publish for free your screencasts. And so you don't have to pay anything to do that. So... Um, let's talk about an incredible example. Have I talked talked about the Khan Academy before in our class? So everybody who does anything with math needs to know about the Khan Academy because there are over 2,100 videos now about all kinds of things. Algebra, um, geometry, calculus, banking, money. Now he's got stuff about biology. Here's all, Look at all these calculus things. Oh, my gosh. How did this happen? Well, let's take a look at this short little, we won't watch this whole thing. This PBS NewsHour will explain it. Now, the story of a young man teaching math to the world. NewsHour correspondent Spencer Michaels reports. So this is a, a quadratic equation, essentially. We're trying to find the zeros of this. This disembodied voice is heard every day by tens of thousands of students struggling with math, both in the U.S. and around the world. So what is x squared plus 4x plus 4? Well, uh, x, x plus 2 times x plus 2. My first 33-year-old Salman Khan recently quit his job as a hedge fund analyst to devote himself to an unpaid job teaching math on the Internet. Welcome to the presentation on basic addition. I know what you're thinking. These are cancers or cancer cells. Is the investors in the mortgage-backed securities He has posted 1,200 lessons on YouTube, which appear on an electronic blackboard and range in subject from basic addition and advanced calculus to science and finance, and they are free. Introduction to trigonometry, is where I teach people about the trig functions. This is one of the more popular videos. This has 179,000 views, and you know this is just what, what sine, cosine, and tangent are. 
Khan lives in California's Silicon Valley with his wife, a rheumatologist in training at Stanford, and their new baby. He got the idea for Khan Academy four years ago when he taught a young cousin how to convert kilograms to grams. Many American students have trouble with math, and studies show they lag behind their counterparts in Asia and Europe in both math and science. With Khan's help, his cousin got good at math, and he eventually had a new career tapping into anxieties around the world. Now he records his lessons from a converted closet in the back of his bedroom. He never goes on camera. It kind of feels like the voice in their head. You're looking at it, it kind of feels like someone's over your shoulder talking in your ear as opposed to someone at a blackboard that's distant from you. <laughs> Sorry for starting the presentation with a cough. But now I want to continue with the 45-45-90 triangles. Although he is not the first person to teach on the Internet, his simple operation has attracted more eyeballs than most university sites, and his fame has spread. The all-girl Castalea School in Palo Alto invited Khan to speak, and he immediately connected to the student body. You tell me that you really don't know how, you know, dividing decimals is still kind of this uh, little gray area, and, and if, if, if dividing decimals actually is, you're not alone. Dividing decimals is kind of the one thing that no one wants to admit that they kind of forgot how to do. He exuded pride in his expanding online audience. More and more people uh, kept watching it, and now it's reaching... Uh, actually on the order of about 100,000 students now a month uh, and uh, 40,000 video views a day. It was the concept of short, repeatable lessons that attracted high school senior Bridget Meany, who admitted she'd had trouble with seventh grade algebra. I think the teachers are good, but they can't go at a pace that's um, like perfect for everyone. But um, I like the concept of knowing something in class, but then going back and pressing pause or rewind and actually getting a deeper understanding of it. Shy students who don't ask questions in class may benefit the most from Khan's videos, says Kimberly Knapp, who teaches math at Castalea. But his lessons aren't a substitute for the classroom. Okay, so I'm going to pause it there. That's about half the video. It's a six-minute uh, excerpt. Phenomenal. Great resource. Does this mean we don't need any math teachers anymore? No. Does this mean all math teachers are out of jobs? No. Does this mean if you have any student struggling with any concepts, they might be able to get some help here? Absolutely. Who can tell me how to search on a web page? Bless you. How do I search on this web page? Control F, or I can go to Edit, Find, and my son, who's taking 7th grade algebra, advanced algebra right now at class in SAS, had to do a least common multiple. So let me just search for least common. There it is, least common multiple. We can go right here to the screencast and click play. And I'm not going to play the whole thing. Hello, I'm not going to do some practice least common multiple problems for you uh, after I do a couple of these problems. I turn the volume down. So I did not remember how to do these from math class, but we were able to watch this video, and my son, after seeing it, said, hey, Dad, that's really cool. That's not how my teacher did it. I think I understand that even better. And a lot of times with math, that's the way it is. There's more than one way to do it, and sometimes the way the teacher explains it works, and sometimes the way somebody else explains it works. So really a great example of how technology can be a powerful um, facilitator and, and helper for us. All of these are on YouTube. Everything is linked. You can see 
Bill Gates is here. It's like Bill Gates' favorite example of um, technology integration now, I think. He just loves this. So we can create screencasts. Do we have time to quit our jobs and make videos all day long? No, probably not. But there are not only these... How much time do I have? Ten minutes. Um, There are not only these free tools that we can access that other people have made, but we can also create um, short screencasts. So this was a little screencast that I made about how to moderate comments in VoiceThread. Um, I've got three reasons to say screencast. You can explain a skill or concept. You can avoid the need to constantly repeat yourself. Right? That's a big deal. you got students that are absent. And how about flipping your classroom? So here's a short little video I took in Holland, Michigan, back in October, of a high school science teacher who's flipped his classroom. Nice. Nice. All right. So, Dale, tell us about this crazy and uh, innovative model of flipping things. You bet. When I started doing podcasts, I use it for things that are skills. So I teach chemistry, and one of the skills is naming. And so how do you learn a skill? You have to understand how to do it, and then you need to practice it. And you need to know whether or not you're doing it correctly or not. In the old method, when it was just me and a board, I would explain it. I'd do a few examples on the boards. Kids would go home, and they'd practice it. They found out the next day whether or not they had done it correctly. That's kind of like giving a kid, okay, watch me shoot a basket, and now I want you to go home and shoot baskets, and I'll tell you tomorrow if you did a decent job. Instead, what I can do is I still give a traditional lecture, but I go through maybe just one example. A lot of kids will come to that, but not all. And then I'll do podcasts for skills where they can watch me do examples and explain it, and they can watch that as many times as they want, and they can stop it, they can replay it. Some kids learn just from that. Other kids use that in addition to the lecture. And then in that process, um, that's a portion of my class. Then the rest of the class, I'm going around and I'm tutoring kids. I've got a question. How did they do this? And I provide them through the computers. I provide them the answers right away. I tell them, don't do the whole sheet and then find out you did it wrong. Do three or four, check your answers. Three or four, check your answers. And what I used to do outside of class, come in early, come in before school or after school so that I can help you more, I'm doing that in class now. The lecture part of it, the examples, can happen outside of class, and especially if you were sick, you can still get that information. And so what used to happen in class is now located in a computer. What I used to do outside of class, the tutoring, the thing they really need me for, one-on-one, that's happening inside my class. And that's really exciting. And, um, you know, it's really changed just the way things happen in my classroom. Okay. So, again, that's about two minutes of a six-minute video. Uh, Yes, Holland, Michigan is a private school. Yes, they have laptops. They've had laptops for everybody for four years. Um, And we're not all in that situation. But more and more we do have kids with access to the Internet at home. And so there's a lot of possibilities. I've got a link here in addition to Dale. Um, There's a link to Carl Fish and then this educational vodcasting. I don't know if this was my post. But these uh, fellas, um, math teachers, no, science teachers in Colorado um, have started to do this kind of model and Jonathan Bergman and Aaron and uh, Sam's. I don't know that I've got a link to their um, video directly.
The staffers at Woodland Park High School are getting attention worldwide for not giving out homework. Instead, the students watch recorded lectures at home and then do the corresponding homework during their regular class time. 11 News reporter Rosie Barisi is live tonight in Woodland Park. And Rosie, how do the students like it? Well, Don, they love it. According to teachers and educators from as far as Japan have been calling the school asking where they came up with this brilliant idea. Two teachers at the school say they stumbled on it on accident. Those are mole-to-mole ratios. The only homework these Woodland Park High School students ever really get is to watch TV. Kids learn with a screen. I'm an old guy. Um, you know, I like... I like a book. I read a book this weekend. It was like with paper, you know. But these kids, they read with things like, you know, they look at screens. Jonathan Bergman and Aaron Sands decided it would be a good idea to record their lectures live. We just... Okay, so, now uh, let's play just another... Discovered this software. It was intended for students who couldn't make it to class. Wow, this is an amazing teaching tool. And that's when their wheels started turning. What if we did that all the time? And now they do. Instead of sitting and wasting 45 minutes listening to a teacher yap, they're going to have more time to work one-on-one -on -one with the teacher, work through problems, do a lot more hands-on activities, a lot more lab activities. Allowing students to do the brunt of their work in class has worked wonders for their students. They used to go home and they would get stuck. They would call their friend, which is okay. Okay. They would cheat or they would just give up on it. Students' scores have shot up this year, leading teachers to believe this is the way of the future. Okay, so let's talk about how we're going to do this. You're, you're going to have an assignment. It's not going to be due right away. You're going to have two weeks when we come back to create a screencast. It's going to be a short demo of how to do something. And the uh, tool we're going to use is free, and it's called Screener. Screener is going to require that you create an account on Twitter because you will sign in with Twitter. And if you want to do this today, you can, or you can do this later. Um, if you haven't registered for Twitter before, you'll click sign up, and you'll use an email address and you'll sign up for Twitter. I may talk a little bit more about Twitter um, later in the semester before we're all done. Um, so it, I follow lots of people on Twitter, and there are all kinds of great things that people are sharing um, on Twitter and, and ways that people get help. Um, you know, there, we'll talk about, about Twitter later. But what we're going to use Twitter for here is to sign in to Screener. And when I do, I can click record, and I have actually plugged in a microphone uh, into this computer, and I'm going to check these out for next, uh, next week um, when, we're, when we're here in class. You can... Um, this is my practice one that I hadn't deleted... You can use any kind of microphone. A lot of... Hey, I want to delete that. Delete that screencast. Delete it. Huh. All right. Fine. Don't delete it. A lot of uh, laptops now come with a built-in microphone. Um, a microphone costs, I think, about $10 or something like that. It's a good idea to have a microphone on your computer. Um, I will be checking with the um, IT department here to see if you, if you can check out a microphone uh, in 110 or whatever the, the lab is here next, next door to us. Um, that's really weird. Right. It was going to record your screen, 
and uh, you do not have to have a camera to do this. So what I've done is I've got um, Scratch over here, and I am going to um, do a little uh, demo in Scratch, and maybe I'll, we'll talk about broadcast, because that was one of the, the questions that Caroline had. So I'm going to go ahead. I don't know if this is just not... <laughs> So I'm going to sign in with my Twitter account. I say, fine, allow it to have access. And the nice thing about Screener is, there's several things. Number one, I don't have to download any software. Number two, it'll immediately share it on the Internet. I don't have to upload it and have an account somewhere else and, and uh, do other things. It's just, it automatically uploads it. So... I wonder if, oh, you know what? This may be the reason. I had another window open. I bet that's what I was doing. I was screwing myself up with that. So let's try again. Just like Flickr that doesn't have an ER screener, just has the one. <laughs> it does it again. I'm going to quit my browser and... Say forget everything and go back. What it's supposed to do when I click record, and it did this before class when I tested it, is um, it loaded up a recorder. Okay, so it's not doing that. Bad computer. Um, I'm going to delete all my browsing history, which is something I, I think we talked about at the beginning of class. Good thing to do after every single class, right? Because that erases all your passwords. Now we'll try again. Okay, let me sign in with Twitter. If you go ahead and log into Twitter first, you won't have to put in your password here. It'll just say, do you want to allow Twitter to have access to your account? It is, um, it's linked on that page for screencasting. It's just the website, screener.com, but it's not ER. It just has an R at the end. And it is a web-based screen recorder, so we don't have to download um, program, it will just load, load up, get this. That's so interesting. Uh, all right, fine, post it, publish it. I thought I deleted it before. Here we go. I want you to actually screencast something in Scratch. So that's what I'm going to demonstrate now. Teach something that... that <laughs> well, I, um, I want you to, to teach um, some kind of a skill in, in Scratch, and we will... I don't know. Do you want more choices than that? Do you want to do anything? I've given my classes before a choice to do anything. I would, I'll suggest Scratch, but if you want to do another topic, you can. Okay? Um, so here's how it works. All right. You position this frame wherever you want to record. I've already sized my Scratch window so that it is sized, um, you know, to, to fit here in this area. Um, you can change the size. I'm just going with the default. I wouldn't do full screen because that's probably going to be too big. Um, you can click here, and if you don't have a microphone, it's going to say no microphone available. This is going to detect, and when I test here, I wonder why that's not 
Testing, one, two, three. It should, I should see my voice here. Testing, one, two, three. All right. Anybody know what to do to troubleshoot audio on your computer? You need to go either into your settings on your computer. Okay, so you can go into, well, these computers are locked down. Isn't that nice? Uh, so there's no setting things here. You can go to the corner where it has the little um, audio speaker, and you can adjust your audio properties, and you can take a look. Um, what I'm going to actually do, and it's not all bad to have something weird happen when we're trying to do a demo. Because you think you're ever going to have something like this come up? Of course, you will, and you'll need to troubleshoot stuff. So I'm just going to plug it in again. When I plug in my device, down here it finds it. Oh, there's my recorder. C-Media Audio. And if you need to troubleshoot in this lab, you can right-click the speaker, and this is where you choose audio devices. What is being used for playback? What's being used for recording? You can make sure that it's set to the right thing. All right, so I would get set up. I would get set up with what you want to um, record with. So you don't you don't have to do one with scratch. I think it'd be great if you did, but you don't have to. You won't get a worse grade if you don't. I like to just kind of get things set up here first in my window. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna record with Scratch, and I've positioned my window. Move this window. I click here to move it where I want to record. So down here. Testing, one, two, three. Oh, yay. See that? See how the audio changes when I talk? <laughs> okay, that means that it's working. So this is called a level meter, and it's showing the level of audio changing. So this is where it will detect the microphone, and you can set it to whatever mic you've plugged in. Okay, so before I even get to this point, I probably need a plan, right? What am I going to do? And I, um, I think I'm just going to... Um, do a little, uh, just to talk about broadcast. So you might write out a little plan for yourself, just like you did with your presentation. You know, rather than impromptuing it, make an outline, write down for yourself what you're going to talk about. These can be a maximum of five minutes long. I'd recommend you do one in two minutes or less. Don't do it too long. If you've got something real complicated, break it up into multiple pieces and, and do different pieces. So I'm going to go ahead and hit record. It's going to give me a countdown to start. Hi, this is Wes Fryer, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about how to use the program Scratch and how the broadcast block can be used to uh, have sprites communicate together. So over here, I'm going to click to get a surprise sprite, and now I've got a, uh, looks like a hat. It's over here with my cat, and I need to have some scripts to... Uh, have these 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 cats or these objects do some things. So um, I will come under control and say when the green flag is clicked, I'm going to want my cat to move to a particular place. So I'm going to um, 
move my cat to, let's, let's just move him over here, minus 194, 0. So I'm going to say minus 194, 0. If I want to see what that looks like, ah, look at that, I moved my hat. So maybe I'll, I can duplicate that so that that happens with my cat too. And that's going to be a little too high. So what, um, what I want to do is uh, maybe I'll move my cat, and then um, uh, when something else happens, the hat can move over there. So instead of saying when the, when the hat, uh, when the green flag is clicked, I can say when I receive. Okay? When I receive that, I want the, the hat to go to a place. So what else would I want my cat to do? Well, maybe he's going to... Uh, move across the screen. So let's have him glide. And let's have him take two seconds to glide. And then let's have him go up here to the corner. 190, 144. Okay, so let's see what that looks like. The cat's going to glide up there. That's a little bit too high. So let's have him go to 74. Okay, when he reaches this point, I'd like the hat to go over here on top of him. The way that I'm going to do that, and there's different methods of this, is I'm going to have him send a broadcast. Okay, The broadcast is like a scene change, and I'm going to say, ready for hat. I could have said scene one, I could say whatever I want. But he's going to glide up there, and then... He says, ready for hat. Over here, this action is going to happen when ready for hat is broadcast. So when the, when the hat, which I can make this a name, when this receives ready for hat, then it's going to, um, it's going to go over here. And what, and what I think I might do is instead of this go to, let's make it glide over there. Okay, and the hat, if he's going to be over here on the cat, looks like 192, 134. So, 192, what do we say, 134? All right, let's give this a try. I'm going to click my green flag. My hat glides over there. Oh, and there the hat goes. What do you think about the hat? A little bit too low? We'll move that up a little bit. Let's Instead of 134, let's make it uh, one. 39, okay, and I'll change my positions. So this is just a real simple script, just movement of two things, but it's using the broadcast flag, and that's one way that you can have motion in your project, or not just motion, you trigger events to happen based on the broadcast, broadcast flag. Okay. Um, to find out more information about Scratch, you can go to the website scratch.mit.edu and click on support. And they've got lots of other places that will teach you new things about Scratch. All right. So I hit pause. At any time that I want to, I can hit pause. I can then resume. Um, I can click the trash can if I'm totally done. I'm going to go ahead and just go with that one. So I click done. And over here on my website, it's showing me a preview of my... 
um, screen here. Hi, this is Wes Fryer, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about how to use the program Scratch and how the broadcast block can be used to uh, have um, sprites communicate together. So over here... I'm so everything that I did inside that box is recorded. My voice is recorded, but there's no picture of me, um, and I can show anything that I want. So... Teaching something, something in Scratch that you learned would be a great thing to do. If there's something else, though, that you want to do for your screencast, you can. Okay? When you are satisfied with your screencast, and it doesn't have to be a masterpiece, and how long did I go? Double the time. So it probably would be good for me to re-record mine. What do you think I'll do the next time I record it? How do you think it'll change? I'll already have my numbers, I'll know what to do, I'll be faster, I'll be better. So it's not a bad thing to record it two or three times. It's not a bad thing for your kids to do that either when they're doing it, because you will get better as you practice. So I'm going to say how to um, use the broadcast block in Scratch to make uh, a sprite do something later in your project, okay? So not to do it. I'm not going to have it tweeted out, and I'm just going to have it posted. So what it does when you click there is it actually takes that recording, which right now is on my computer right here in Edmond, Oklahoma at UCO, and it publishes it out to the web so that anybody who has the link to it could see it and use it. That is really a big deal because with most other screencasting programs, you have to take the file and then do something like send it up to the web like we do with WebCT or Blockboard or whatever and upload and and do that kind of thing. So Screener is is a great tool. There's other ways that you can screencast. But I wanted to introduce that to you, and I definitely went over my 20-minute limit. I'm sorry I have my technical difficulties. But um, we will have two weeks of time before your screencast project is due, and it's just one of your six projects for the class. Again, don't feel like it's just, oh, I've got to have it perfect. You don't. I want you to make one. I want it to be at least 60 seconds, okay? So don't do like a, you know, 15-second screencast. You know, here's how we go to the start menu. That's not going to be good enough, you know. Go like 60 seconds at least. But you don't have to go over two minutes. Um, you know, make it concise and probably good for you to practice a couple times because you'll get better at it if you end up doing it two or three times. And I'll do it better at 11 o'clock than I did now because, you know, I practiced. Any questions about screener or about screencasting? How do you delete it and get it off the web? Okay, see right now that it's done, see where it says delete the screencast? Yeah, that's it. Now, if I have login credentials to YouTube, Another cool thing about this is I can cross-post this to YouTube, and it'll be over there, and there's a lot more people that will find it. I may not want that, but that's another available thing. Also, the share link, that's where you get your link, okay? For this assignment, you will, again, write a blog post, and you can get the link and then the embed code right here when you click on share. Yes? So you can Right, yeah. Yeah. These, now that I'm deleting these tests, hopefully these are going to be gone forever. I don't know why it was persistently coming back to what I had done before, not clearing it out. So, right, that's that's something that's different here is that we're, 
We're not creating it locally. We're actually creating it on the web. Now, there may be a way that you change the sharing settings to say that you want it private, but I don't think Screener does that. I'm pretty sure everything's just, just public on the site. So, but until you click publish, it's not out there, right? So you can click delete, you can redo, you know, as many times as you want, and it's not published until you do that final publish button at the bottom. And it has to actually do something on the computer. Yeah, it's a screencast. No, I don't want you to take a video and do that. This, I want you to experience how a screencast is made and they're created. And if you... You know, there's other programs to use, but for this assignment, I want you to, to try Screener, see how it works. Um, I want you to be aware of the other possibilities. But this is by far the easiest one I've seen to just record something quick and then get it shared. And that's a very powerful thing to be able to do. If you think about what are all the things that I could do in my class, you know, and, and your students can do too. Yes? Well, the, the link is there now. Um, when you go to the resource page that we have for um, screencasting, the one that I played those videos and, and everything today about, um, the, the link to Screener is there. And I'll have, because I've got the, the links to tools and these free tools, Screener is the first one that's there. But um, I'll have an assignment after spring break that will actually uh, give you a detail on you know, be little more than 60 seconds, talk about Scratch or something else. And I went ahead and made a tutorial a while back that is eight minutes long that takes you through step-by-step step how to use Screener. So, um, Screencasts, I'm going to demonstrate how to screencast. But so that whole thing is recorded there, too. So you can go back and refer to that as far as the steps of how to do it. Okay, any more questions about screencasting right now? Okay. Let's talk about Scratch. Let me give you um, 60 seconds. I want you to uh, talk to somebody near you, and some of you may need to move if you're not right next to somebody. Uh, where, what are your hang-ups right now with Scratch? Where are you most frustrated, and what, what, do you, what answers do you need today that will help you with your project? Where are you stuck? Okay? Take 60 seconds and talk about places you're stuck right now with Scratch. type some of these in, I'm going to just ask you to share and I'll, I'll type some, but on our Scratch Assessment Brainstorm from last week, if you click that link, I'm just adding these to the bottom of this document that where you stuck with Scratch. So just tell me out loud real quick, where are some of the places you're stuck? Okay, on my Scratch project that I had already shared, I 
decided to add a lot more stuff to it. Right. Okay. And when I started to, I thought, well, I'm currently up for the new time to save it, and I thought it would just update my scratch, scratch project. So I couldn't save, and I, I couldn't find it, and it didn't do anything. It didn't Okay, so questions about saving a Scratch project locally, which means not uploaded, and it sounds like we've got some issues with uh, online, too. Okay, where else are you stuck? Caroline, did that help a little bit with the broadcast, what we were just talking about? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's a very slight Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it takes time to learn stuff, right? If you're learning something new and it's out of the box and you haven't done it before, it's not like, I'm just going to read this news article in the paper, you know? It, it takes a little bit more time. Okay, what else? Where, what are some specific skills or, th- or things that you're trying to get done that either aren't working or you want to know how to do? And you don't know how to do. I know we can't figure out how to switch uh, stages. Okay, switching backgrounds. Good. Switching backgrounds. And that's a great broadcast. The broadcast flag is a great reason to do that, to tell the stage to do something. Okay? Anything else that comes to mind that you're stuck with? Okay. How to get sprites to hide. All right, good. And come back. Okay, good. That's showing and hiding. We'll do that. What else? How to keep them on the screen? Like not go off, like move too far? Okay, so how to keep sprites from moving off the screen? Is there any way, like... Yeah. Right. Okay. How to make a sprite talk with audio. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you want to add to this as we go along, let me jump in here and start doing. I'll, I'll, I'll try to demo some of these some of these uh, questions. Okay. Let's talk about saving first of all. We've got a save button that looks like a floppy disk. And when I click that link, it is going to let me save it locally on my computer. And so I could go to, um, if I had a flash drive, I go to computer, and I should be able to go to my flash drive here. Um, If my computer lets me save at the desktop, I don't think they do here. So I could put it inside my Scratch Projects file, and uh, I'll just call this Practice. Um, every time you make a change to your project, it's a good idea to click save, just like you would in Word or just like you would in PowerPoint or anything else. If you want to change where it's saved, you can go to save as. And that gives you the dialog box again. Now I can choose a new location. I'm going to save it on my desktop or I'm going to save it on my flash drive. But after you save it, all you really need to do is click the disk and it just saves it again in the same place with the same name that you did before, whatever you decided first. Okay, but what if you want to republish the, the new version? Okay, good. So if you are ready to share 
online. You say share this project online. And you'll need to not only put in your username and password, but give it a different name. So if this was practice, I might call it practice v2, okay, for version version 2. Or I could just say version 2. Okay, because I think it probably, you know, to make it clear for you to look at the titles and whatever, give it a different name. If you want to put version 2, or you can, you know, give it some other kind of name. And just like before, check whatever's appropriate, whatever you've made, if you want to give it a little description. When you click OK, it should go up. Now, um, you, you said your project is about 10 megabytes in size. Uh, yeah. did, did you have that um, button click there in the corner that said compress? Okay. It probably is checked by default, but make sure it is, because that will make things smaller and should make it fit better. So give that a try when you upload it to the web. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit about um, broadcast. Let's talk about switching backgrounds. When the hat get in this project, well, I guess let's, let's talk about the showing and hiding first, because that fits in. Which of my categories would let me show and hide sprites? You think control? I think it's looks, okay, because it has something to do with appearance. See show and hide here? Um, if I'm not sure about that, but I know somehow there's a thing that says show, you can go into the Scratch Wiki and you can search it. Okay? So we can search the Scratch Wiki and say hide. And there it is, the hide block. And it'll show, oh, look, there it is. It's purple. So use the Scratch Wiki if you want to search for blocks that you know are there, but, you know, you just, you don't, um, you don't know where, where to find them. So I'm going to make the cat, make sure he shows up, because you need to kind of design this for initial conditions, and the hat, I'm going to make it hide. Okay? So, actually, that doesn't need to be here. Where does, what needs to control hide for the hat? When the flag's clicked, right? Anything I want to have happen at the beginning needs to, needs to happen with the flag. So, the, um, the hat is going to hide, and maybe I will uh, start with the hat in a particular place. So, I will... Um, I'll, I'll move the hat here from the corner. Minus 180, minus 118. Okay, so let's just test that. Yep, the hat's going to move here, and when it's clicked, I want it to hide. So now, I want it to show. I want the hat to show up when, right before it starts to glide. Okay, so I want the cat to do all this stuff. Why is my hat not appearing? Exactly, it's invisible. It's here. In fact, if I just drag out the show, what do you predict will happen when I double-click the show block? Where's the hat going to be? Should be 
on top of... Oops, wait a minute. Why, why, did, why did my hat not show up? I'm on the wrong script. Okay, so let's go to the sprite or the hat. Okay, I predict when I double-click this, the hat will appear here. Ta-da! So where does this need to go for me to be able to see my hat gliding across? Yep, when I receive. So now let's click the green flag. I think there's one other thing that I'm going to... No, I think this will work. Ta-da! Okay, so let's go to the, the, the next question somebody had was, how do we change backgrounds? Okay, I'm going to make the background now change before my hat goes across. How do I get an initial background? This is just a boring white one. What do I, I go to my stage, and I have to go to my backgrounds tab, and I can import different backgrounds. What do you want? What folder? Well, indoors, and is there a party one? Okay, so we're going to do the party room. And I'm going to get rid of this boring white one. Okay? What kind of a script, if I'm going to have multiple, uh, multiple backgrounds, what do I need to do here at the beginning when the green flag's clicked? I need to show the background that I want. Okay? And again, that's under looks. So that says switch to the party room. Okay? If I want to change my background during my project, the broadcast flag is a good way to do that. And I can say, when I receive ready for hat, do I have another background yet? No. No, so I'm going to need to import it. What, which one do you want? We'll do the hall. Okay. Now I've got another background. Now, when I receive ready for hat, I could change my background to the hall. Okay? Let's see what this looks like now. It should start out with the cat in the party room, and now the hat goes up with the background that I want. Okay? So that's why the broadcast block, I think, is a really important one because it lets you have communication with more than just a time delay in between the stages. I could have also said another another way to do this I could have said wait how long? How many seconds do you think it needs to wait? You think one? I don't know. How long is it taking the cat to move across? Two seconds, so maybe two. I don't know. Let's give that a try. Yep, that worked too. So you don't have to use broadcast. You can use delays, and you can kind of just work out the timing. At two seconds, my hat's going to go across the screen, you know. But that's the way that I've done that background most of the time is with the broadcast. Well, the idea of scripts on the stage control the background, and scripts on each sprite control what it does. Yeah. Right? So then, like, whenever you start changing the background, and the sprite does a certain thing, and you have, like, 12 sprites, you know, 
Oh, yeah, right. When you start getting in lots of different sprites, so don't feel like you need to have, you know, tons of sprites. I mean, hopefully you'll have, you'll have two. Um, but if you don't, you know. The broadcast flag is what lets those sprites interact, I think, most easily, other than, than time. Let's talk about audio. That was one of the questions here. How do we make a sprite talk with audio? So let's make the cat say something um, at the beginning and then at the end. So at the beginning, how do I make him talk? I can do that with sound, and I can also do that with looks. The looks is where he's going to say something um, that's going to appear in a bubble. I really need a hat. Okay? So he's going to say, I really need a hat. And then he's going to move up here to the corner. Let's take a look at that. What I'm going to do now is make him say a sound when he gets his hat. How am I going to do that? Okay, I've got costumes I can bring in, and I've got sounds. So I'm going to either need to import a sound, or in this case, record one. And we'll see if this is going to work now that I have a microphone. So I'm going to say record, testing, testing. I don't know if that's supposed to be live. Testing, is this live? No, it's not. How unfun is that? Testing, one, two, three. So, I'm going to go ahead and save my project, and I'm going to, I'll make a meow, okay? If my recorder was working here, and I could troubleshoot that a little bit, um, I could record my sound right there, but I'm just going to use the meow for the cat, okay? How do I make him meow when the hat gets there? Which which sound, okay? Okay, play sound meow. Or a lot of times I'll do play sound meow until done because it'll stop anything else from happening. Do I want that to happen right away? Let's let's play this and see what happens. What happened? Ah, I need to wait a little bit because he was broadcasting he's ready for a hat and then he just meowed. So I can put in a wait. How long do you think I should wait? Two seconds, because I think that's how long I said for the hat to glide. And now let's take a look at it. bit long. Okay. So, that was switching backgrounds, hiding in sprites and having them come back, how to keep them from moving off the screen. Um, are you using glide or what movement are you using when you're having it go off the screen? So, one way is with this on the edge bounce. Have you tried If you're doing something like a loop, um, like if I was going to do a loop 
and I was going to have um, my sprite move um, and then turn. And if that's when I could put that, that bounce in. So let's do this now. That's not really doing it enough. Let me let me do that in a forever loop instead. And I'll have it move 50 instead. Okay, what did I not, what do I need to do now at the beginning of my project? Yeah, switch him around so that he uh, is right side up at the beginning. So a forever loop or something like that, and actually that's not very random because he got into a regular pattern there. Um, I mean, that, that's one way. You can also just use your go-to um, numbers and then just, you know, don't have them go all the way over here. Have them go a little bit more to the left and then stay on the screen that way. Okay, what other questions do you want to ask? Is anyone fearful at this point? Would you omit, will you admit your fear? Are you fearful about being graded on this? Don't be fearful. I'm not a bad person. I don't bite. Okay? I want you to play with Scratch, learn some stuff, and then tell me in your reflection some of what you've learned. Okay? And you're going to do awesome. If you blow this off and don't spend any time on it, you know, that's the thing about a project. It shows, right? Because you're making stuff. So, as long as you're spending time... You're spending time on it, but your project's not very long. Because you not know. I mean, there's still time to Reflect and share what you've learned. I mean, up to the point that you've learned. That's what I want you to do. Okay. Okay? Just because, I mean... Well, for one, I take one and it didn't take, so I loved it. So right about that. I learned the value of... And it took, you know, so I put this time on it, it's just been other things. Share what you've learned, okay, including the file saving stuff. All right, well, have a great spring break, and we'll see everybody after spring break. Did that that still do the error?